God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, I uh, was following uh, what's going going on with uh, Spotify and, and uh, Joe Rogan. And uh, I thought I would cue it up today and listen to Joe Rogan's response because it ties into a bunch of uh, a bunch of things. It ties into COVID, and it ties into censorship. It also ties into the Democrat hypocrisy. Because, and, and it's funny, you know, when he's talking about his show, he talks about how you know he doesn't even know what he's going to say when he gets on the show, when he does his sh- podcast, he doesn't even know what he's going to say. Half the time. And you know that's, a, that's exactly the same way we do it here. Uh, the same exact way he does his show is the, probably the way we do ours. Um, we queue up a bunch of things. I take some notes. But when that music is playing in the intro, I sometimes don't even know what topic I'm going to cover on the first moment. But then it just sort of flows for an hour. And... Uh, and things come out and things happen and it's all good. It's good. But I like it that way. I, I, I prefer it that way. It's, a, it's sort of like a, a little bit more of a high wire act. It's a little bit more of a, uh, you know, without a safety net kind of deal. I love the feeling and I love doing it. Um, but you never know where it's going to take you. Uh, it's just a kind of uh, interesting little dynamic there. So, with that and said, uh, we're going to take a listen to the competitor. <laughs> now, Joe Rogan is a good guy, and, you know, Joe Rogan is a an announcer over at Mixed Martial Arts, you know, UFC. Um, and he also, you know, there's a longer version of this on his Instagram. But what it is, too, is there's some cursing. He, he curses a lot. 
And uh, so I have to be careful about that. And uh, in any case, so we're going to take a listen to Joe Rogan. And, and then this, this cues it up really well for the topics we're going to be talking about today. So let's take a listen to Joe Rogan answering to the Spotify and the censorship. And we'll do it now. Oh, no, we're not. We're going we're gonna to go ahead. See, it's live. Bites are based on headlines of art. I think there's a lot of people that have a distorted perception of what I do, maybe based on sound bites or based on headlines of articles that are disparaging. Um, the podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation, specifically about two episodes, a little bit about some other ones, but specifically about two, one with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. I had them on, and because of that, those episodes in particular, uh, those episodes were labeled as being dangerous. They had dangerous misinformation in them. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now, that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely, I get things wrong, but I try to correct them. Whenever I get something wrong, I try to correct it because I'm interested in telling the truth. There it is. So he's interested in telling the truth. And uh, it's funny, uh, the the longer version, I think, gets into his show process. It's very similar to mine, and I listened to the longer version too, but uh, it was too long. What's interesting is this this was edited by somebody, and it was a TikTok. And I got this from Libs of TikTok on their Twitter. And this particular video got 2.8 million views. 2.8 million. His Instagram on this particular announcement was, at last I checked, it was, I think, 6.7 million. But I think it's probably 10 million now. So what I'm saying is, is that you know, when you compare CNN with, you know, they don't get near the numbers that we're getting on digital, on podcasts, and on live radio. You know, our numbers 
just for radio are really strong. We get great numbers. And uh, and it's just it's just one of these things where it's, uh, <laughs> you wonder what's going to happen. How does CNN even pay the rent? And it goes back, it, it, and this is the answer. It goes back to those stories we've been talking about, BlackRock, Vanguard, China. Because it's propaganda. And propaganda is worth what? What is propaganda worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Is it worth a widget? Is it worth, I don't know, an air fryer, right? No, it has no tangible value. Propaganda is not, it's just gas. It's just hot air. All it is is just bloviating. It has zero value. They produce nothing. And you could say the same thing about radio, right? But the idea is, who supports then these media outlets? Well, I could tell you with, you know, Scott Adams show and Red State Talk Radio and a lot of companies like ours, we're sponsor-driven. So if you, uh, you know, like, um, for example, my pillow, we talked about that yesterday, the mattress. Incidentally, I got a lot of calls about the mattress. But if you use the code word Red State, that makes Red State look good. And then my pillow continues to promote uh, uh, or sponsor or, you know, support uh, conservative outlets. Or we get a uh, what's called a uh, like a like a, a commission on sales. It just depends on which relationship or how you've developed the relationship. But there's people that buy advertising outright. There's people that, uh, it's, pay, it's called paper inquiry, um, where people who call the numbers to the ads that they hear, uh, we get, you don't even have to buy, but you, you get some dividend back on that. We get a credit for when you call, we get a credit for a lead or something like that. There's all kinds of different relationships and, and uh, arrangements. Affiliate marketing, where affiliate programs, where we get a commission on everything that we sell, stuff like that. So there's all kinds of different relationships, but we have to earn it every single step of the way. And the reason why I don't put commercials so much on Scott Adams' show is because I own Red State. So all the uh, ads that are going through our network all those ads, uh, I could put them on Scott Adams' show too. But since I'm a flagship show on the network, I uh, what I do is I uh, I try to uh, give it away for free, uh, the commercial for commercial free hour. A lot of people do two, three hours, and it's they need a break, and the commercials provide them for that. But in any case, it's uh, Joe Rogan. So he's talking about Malone. He's talking about um, uh, these great doctors that are pretty much, you know, they're the they're the foundation of mRNA uh, vaccines. Which, frankly, I, I don't think I, I I don't think it's ready for prime time. I'm not a big supporter of mRNA, but what do I know? I'm not a scientist. Just like Joe Rogan is, admits, he's not a scientist. But certainly it's not Fauci either. I don't know why Fauci gets a better shake on things. Why do people love Fauci so much? They don't even know what they're talking about. 
Fauci certainly doesn't. He doesn't come across as solid or confident on what he knows. He should. He has 50 years, but he's arrogant. He's elitist and he's a liberal and he sees things through a liberal lens. He politicized medicine. He's ruined the integrity of the CDC and the NIH and the NIAID. People will never trust them. People will never trust. It will take a long time for people to trust the CDC and the NIH and the NIAID. And it'll take a long time. It'll take a long time. See, that's a commercial break I'm blowing through, right? But it'll take a long time for uh, us to trust the FBI. When, when, when will you ever trust the FBI? A bunch of dodo brains that try to dress up like white supremacists and blame Trump supporters. The J6 debacle. You know, Leonor and I were talking about this uh, not uh, this morning uh, because we were talking about an article piece uh, of some, someone wrote about the Trump rally in Texas. And they were talking about where are some of the other politicians? Where's uh, the Texas Senator Cornyn, uh, you know, the Texas rally? And so this article was written, and they were asking, where's Ted Cruz? Where's Cornyn, Senator Cornyn, Senator Cruz? Um, Where's Crenshaw? Now, you and I probably not a big fan of Crenshaw. We get that. I get that. You know, I've been to events where he's been um and uh, but you know he's a little bit of a rhino to me you know um but he's done some good things too and back when trump was president he used to kiss the the ring of trump because everybody wanted a piece of trump's coattails and one of the things trump has to worry about is isolating himself from the establishment he can't bail on the establishment but he can't bail on the red meat red, white, and blue patriots, right? But then you got this infiltration going on um, where there's a lot of infiltrating going on. There's a lot of things happening that you would never believe in a million years would happen. You know, that certain people that you think are right-wing, Trump-loving Americans, patriots, happen to be lifelong Democrats that are basically... Uh, sowing disinformation to discredit the Trump agenda. And there's that too. Or they're just moronic. Or they're just feeding off of an opportunity to get rich quick, get a quick buck. And I hope to, to, to make sure, I want to make sure that I don't want to see these rallies become, you know, a big, huge uh, uh, sales pitch for books and pillows and and uh, and sponsorships, you know, it seems like everybody's selling something at these Trump rallies. But what's happening is the, the elites in Washington are being forgotten. And I'm not supporting the elites in Washington. I'm not. But what I am saying is you can't alienate them either. There are a lot of think tanks and groups and organizations and magazines that write and pontificate and have a lot of sway and a lot of weight, that if they are forgotten, then what might just end up happening is they're going to say, you know what, 
we didn't like Trump at first. Then we got on the Trump train because it was good for donors and it was good for this. And it was good for business. It was good for whatever. But then now Trump is, you know, doing this and he's uh, forgotten about us. And next thing you know, where are we? And and uh, and then you got to look at the other idea of the people that you thought were the biggest Trump lovers. Turns out they're not. And the people, you know, and then the other people, they're pretty steady uh, and pragmatic. They're consistently supporting Trump through thick, thin, uh, heavy waters, you know, the whole ball of wax. And they're not getting as much love. And it's because the right wing is choosing sometimes the wrong candidates, the wrong media personalities. Uh, because these media personalities are more a- aptly able to sell out and basically endear Trump's ear. So it's kind of an interesting thing. We've seen a lot of that play out through January 6th and beyond. And it's a little bit interesting because the article that I'm referring to is over um, over on uh, the American Spectator. And it's a nice, nice, nicely piece. It was, it was written by a person that, um, written by a person that went to uh, the rally, and had a few takeaways. And you know, I've been talking about this a lot too. I've said for a long, long time that you know one thing that you have to understand about Trump is he has to appeal to the people in Wyoming that support Liz Cheney. He has to support. He has to appeal to the Ted Cruz supporters. He has to appeal to the Dan Crenshaw supporters. He has to appeal to the red meat QAnon people supporters. He has to re, uh, you know, appeal to all sections and factions of the Republican Party. He has to appeal to all of them. I remember there was a day at CPAC where they had a coup against Trump in 2015. I was there. And all of a sudden, you know, now, you know, Matt Schlapp, big Trump fan. It's been good for business. Very, very good for, to me, right? Very good to me, Trump. You know, so he's good for, with that, right? But are they doing it for the money or are they doing it because they truly believe in the, you know, an America First policies agenda? You know, and that's where our nonprofit comes in, Bugle Call. Uh, Bugle Call and um, and Magapack, which their sisters uh, nonprofits. One is for the banks and stuff because Magapack was getting censored with the banks, um, so we had uh, different branding going on. But um, with those nonprofits. Our slogan is supporting America first policies to make America great again. It's a very simple process. And the hashtag save America is, you know, prominent. It's, it's, it's important. Um, and I don't know of any Republicans that would, that would, uh, I can't see any daylight between American first policies and any Republican, any Republican. Yet there have been so many Republicans that have turned their back on Trump. So we just listened to Joe Rogan talking about censorship and talking about uh, science. Well, 
There's two ways I can go right now because I have two big stories that I'm going to share with you today. And you're going to find each one of them interesting and amusing. Um, and I think that, uh, well, let's get to the first There's one. There's a lot of people that have a distorted okay, so perception. we're not going to listen of- to that. Um, so right here, the South African leader, South African president, um, just came out. So basically... I think the uh, the I think that the uh, nationalists, populists, I think that the people are winning. Okay, that's good news. I think that the middle class is rising up. The truckers in Ottawa are rising up. You know, it was a funny little thing uh, related to the truckers in Ottawa. The Ottawa mayor called the tow trucks on the truckers, and the tow trucker uh, the tow truckers basically said. We're uh, shut down for COVID. <laughs> and they're, you know, marching on Ottawa for the mandates uh, that are related to COVID. I love the irony there, don't you? But the people are rising up and they're saying, we're taking back power. Again, if 330 million people go against 550, 535 uh, congressmen and uh, representatives and senators in Washington... Um, I don't think it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be, you know, an easy fight. 330 million people need to step up, you know, and, and take back what is rightfully theirs, their country. And build the wall ourselves, damn it, if we have to, right? So, Disclosed TV writes this, just in South Africa, those who test positive for COVID-19 but are asymptomatic, do not need to quarantine anymore, the cabinet decided. So I was like, I got to verify that. That's incredible. And sure enough, what they were citing was a whole series of tweets from the president of South Africa. Those who, and this is their tweet. It says those who test, and this was just yesterday that they posted this, yesterday evening. Those who test positive with no symptoms do not have to isolate. If you test positive with symptoms, the isolation period has been reduced from 10 to 7 days. That's with symptoms. But if you're asymptomatic, uh, you know, with no symptoms, you don't have to isolate at all, even if you test positive. Contacts do not have to isolate unless they develop symptoms. And they say the rationale for these amendments, amendments, that's something that Gavin Newsom should do, right? Instead of, you know, acting like Marie Antoinette and let them eat cake, you know, by not wearing a mask in his, you know, press box, uh, you know, at the uh, big game between the 49ers and uh, the Rams. Instead of that, um, maybe he ought to... uh, say, you know what, we need to re- revisit. You know, it's it's obviously, we weren't wearing our masks. We need to revisit these mask mandates. England did, but as uh, John from Idaho rightly pointed out, uh, they still have these vaccine passport mandates and things like that that they're going to have to do away with as well, and people need to rise up and stand up. That is actually the ultimate threat. That's the bigger threat. That's the bigger threat 
problem. The vaccine passport is the goal. It's the gateway to the social credit score system that controls people. That's what the COVID whole thing was about, in my opinion. You know, it's about that. It's about getting to that holy grail of controlling your speech and your thoughts and assessing those speeches and thoughts with credit evaluations that will make you conform if you want to buy a house, a car, a boat, whatever. You have to comply with your thoughts. This is a first, folks. Well, not the first in history. There's been tyrannical governments where you've not been allowed to speak. Even to this day, there are tyrannical governments. But globalists are adopting tyrannical governments. They're adopting communism. And I've heard several uh, globalists like Trudeau talk about the efficiencies of communism. I've heard them talk about it almost with praise. But the president of South Africa writes, the rationale for these amendments is informed by the proportion of people with immunity to COVID-19, which has risen substantially, exceeding 60 to 80% in several serial surveys. Cabinet also reviewed the resumption of schooling to full-time learning in all schools, primary, secondary, and school special schools. This is this is not like a second world country. You know, South Africa is a developing country, um, and they're ahead of the United States because the United States is playing politics with people's lives, and that's a sad truth. That's a sad, sad truth. And they're playing games. And they could care less whether people live or die. Because ultimately, it's about the power. Now, I want you to take a listen to something else, okay? Now, this is the confusion. So Joe Rogan was talking about the scientists he had on. But listen to two different clips from Fauci. Uh, basically, Dr. Fauci is talking about the origins of this pandemic right so the first one says you're going to hear him say the first one's going to say that uh it did not uh, there's no evidence there's no way uh that this could have possibly come from a man-made uh and man and you know a man-made engineered virus no way and then he has a different interview and he says I cannot completely rule out that this was not bioengineered. Two different things. And I don't know what the distance was, but I don't think it was much. I think it was uh, a matter of days uh, between the two uh, commentary. He's wearing the same shirt and same tie. It could have even been the same day. Let's take a listen. The evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now it's very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. Are you still confident that it developed naturally? Uh, no, I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China. The evolution. So, so he said two different things, and uh, you know, it's hard to say. 
how I don't know exactly when that was uh, separated, but it's 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 really disturbing, really, when you think about it. Um, Rick Grinnell said, "Wrong." The Intel community concluded in April 2020 that COVID-19 started in China and in one of two places in China. The assessment hasn't changed. They still believe what they said in 2020. Those conclusions were ignored and by by people like Natasha Bertrand. So you're all 15 months late. And so basically there's just a lot of this, you know, politics being played out here. But Dr. Fauci and his flip-flops doesn't help. Doesn't help at all. So where's the science? You know, that all of a sudden just the assembly in South Africa, you could just change. Hey, it doesn't matter if you're symptomatic or not. I mean, what does, matters if you're symptomatic. It doesn't matter if you're positive or not. If you're asymptomatic, they're going back to the science that we've known for 50 years. The asymptomatic spread is rare. I played clips for you related to the WHO. There's a woman at the WHO, asymptomatic spread, and um, Dr. Fauci himself, asymptomatic spread. Um, I'm going to see if I can even find that uh, note. But asymptomatic spread is rare. And it's it's been bastard, bastardized. It's been, you know, sort of like they've just thrown science out the window. And I was just re- looking at a report today um, of a uh, Border Patrol guy that's sick in the hospital. And his wife was asked, what kind of treatment did he go through? He's on a ventilator right now. And they said he got worse in the hospital because they're not using the right drugs, ivermectin. Yesterday, we talked about two reports, one out of Japan and another study out of NIH that indicated through, and it was reported by Reuters, and it was reported um, by NIH. These studies proved that what they once called the ivermectin dewormer is actually a therapeutic that works and is highly effective. Yet, I guarantee you this Border Patrol agent who got the COVID from the illegal migrant uh, who could be, could, you know, be scarred for life or, or may not make it, uh, lung scarring and so, tissue scarring and whatnot. Um, you know, there's that situation where, you know, he wanted to fly to a better hospital. They wouldn't put him on a flight. I guess he didn't have the money or what. I don't know what the situation was, but they're flying all these people around in secret and yet, these border patrol agents are being left holding the bag. And the same thing, um, I heard another report today about, um, well, we'll get to that, uh, Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki was on this podcast and talking about Fox News being different than the others, and they're they're not covering the stories that are right. They're covering stories like, uh, you know, high crime, you know, and what made me think of that is this border patrol is law enforcement. Um, and so she had to answer that. And then she was asked these questions in the press conference yesterday. And and uh, it was kind of an interesting answer where she was like, well, we allocated $350 billion 
uh, in our, but they got voted down. They voted against it. But do you realize when they talk about stuff like that and they say $350 billion to fund the police? The $350 billion that was available to fund the police could have been also available to actually defund the police. It could have been avail- available, $350 billion could have been to hire psychologists to go out and uh, combat crime. You know, it could have been spent on anything. So you could say um, $350 billion to build a levy, but you could also do it to, to uh, you know, study fish. Or you could spend the $350 billion to give everybody raises in City Hall. Because everybody knows that in Detroit or Chicago or Philly or New York City, they're not funding the police, no matter what $350 billion comes their way. They're going to line their pockets with it through sweetheart contracts to their cousins that are going to kick them back with a lot of profit, just like Hunter Biden kicked back profits on everything they made to Joe Biden for the big guy. 50% of everything Hunter Biden made went to the big guy. 10% to the big guy, depending on what deal it was. And then Joe Biden gets up there and says, I never took a red cent. I never took a penny. I never took a dime from anybody. Nobody's ever paid me a dime. Look it up. Check it out. Okay, that's true. Your son did it. And then he paid you off secretly. Or your son bought a beach house, but it's yours to use. So, you know, your son buys a a car, but you drive it. It's his car, but you drive it. It's his house, but you live in it. It's it's what? You know, I buy a $10 million home in Rehoboth or something like that, right on the beach. And it's your house to throw parties in. Your pictures are on the wall. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. These criminals in Washington are not that stupid. They know how to get, they know when someone's going to get caught or not. They know how things track back. And what we need is a better justice system. And we need better people in Washington. If we have time today, we are going to be getting into uh, the Durham report and how Horowitz was a big sellout. We're going to talk a little bit about Mark Elias today as well. But I have another big story that I want to talk about. So we just talked about COVID. But there's another story that I truly am disturbed about. And it it, it hurts me, actually, to, to, to say the least. Um, this, this is just a, an unfortunate, sad story um, where people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I supported and thought were rock stars... Um, all of a sudden are supporting Trump haters like J.D. Vance. And I've been to several functions with J.D. Vance, I mean, where he's been there. I didn't go with him. Um, he's been there. I've, I, I know people that have um, actually hired him to speak. And um, 
he gives speeches in Washington. He's hobnobbing with the liberal elites and the liberal elites that, I mean, not the liberal elites, the uh, Washingtonian elites. And he, um, you know, is hanging with circles that are elitist. He comes from a privileged background. He wrote Hillbilly Elegy, um, but he's not a hillbilly. He's a white silver spooned guy. You know, that's the thing. You know, they try to sell him out, sell him out as the average Joe, like Joe Biden does. I'm from Scranton. No, no, that's not the way it is in reality. It's not the way it is at all. So it's a little bit sad. And um, so Marjorie Taylor Greene endorsed, but it wasn't just Marjorie Taylor Greene. You ever hear of the war room? With Steve Bannon? You ever hear of Steve Cortez, one of my favorite Trump allies? Steve Cortez. From Real America Vo- Real America's Voice in the War Room. And this is what I'm talking about, about the sellouts and the infiltrators and the people that you think have your back and then they don't. And I'm just so sick and tired of the right wing or the conservative party making these foolish endorsements and mistakes. It would not be the first time that Trump uh, went against Steve Bannon on um, his selection process. Remember in uh, Louisiana, I think it was, uh, no, it was Alabama. I I wanted to say Louisiana. It was Alabama, the senator, senatorial race. And I forget who, who picked who, but they were at odds with each other on that. And now I understand why. I don't trust these people that support J.D. Vance. So I'm going to give you a couple of quotes, J.D. Vance quotes, okay? Number one, the Daily Beast, who's no friend of the Republican Party, right, doesn't like J.D. Vance, says, J.D. Vance deleted his anti-Trump tweets. He forgot his likes, The Ohio Senate candidate was careful to delete his old tweets critical of Donald Trump before he announced his run. He wasn't as careful with his likes. In advance of announcing his run for Senate, Hillbilly Elegy author turned venture capitalist J.D. Vance deleted dozens of old tweets blasting former President Trump. But Vance, who is warring with fellow Ohio Republicans like Mandel, uh, for the MAGA vote, forgot to scrub one Twitter element of his anti-Trump past, his likes. So Vance's Twitter likes, which were still visible as of Monday, okay, Monday afternoon, include two tweets supporting Hillary Clinton's 2016 candidacy, a post implying <clears throat> Trump supporters are anti-Semitic, and multiple tweets indicting Trump's character. One tweet even accuses then-candidate Trump of sexual conduct, uh, sexual assault, uh, misconduct, and another calls him psychologically disturbed. He also liked two tweets mocking Melania Trump. Mocking Melania Trump. Most of the controversy, controversial Twitter likes came around the time of the leaked Access Hollywood tape. 
So once he thought it was clear that Trump was going to lose, he started bashing and piling on Donald Trump. So here's a tweet that he here here's the tweets that he likes. So you uh, endorsed Trump, then unendorsed him over the video, then reendorsed him. You can unendorse him again, asking for a political party. Uh, Evan Sigfield wrote, "So Trump keeps pushing." the falsehood of online polls being reflective of reality. He's an embarrassment, never Trump. And J.D. Vance liked that. And J.D. Vance, uh, when Radley Balco says, maybe the Central Park Five could take out a full-range ad, full-page ad to condemn the coddling of thug real estate barons who commit serial sexual assault. J.D. Vance liked that. Um, But there's more. So J.D. Vance liked, Donald Trump isn't funny anymore, and we all have to stop him. Uh, How about this one from David Mastio? Donald Trump isn't funny anymore. Oh, wait, no, that one I just read. Trump's video statement demonstrates the most psychologically disturbed and disturbing thing about him. He can never, ever back down. J.D. Vance liked that. And then Joseph Flynn, this is, uh, this is, says China Joe Flynn, says it wasn't easy growing up a black woman in Chicago, but I believe the world is safer for my two girls, Sasha and Mala, uh, Malia. And uh, basically J.D. Vance like that. So, there's worse, actually, and I've seen worse. Um, and it goes on. There's a whole article on that. But what I posted on my uh, Facebook was uh, another article by CNN. It says, pro-Trump Senate hopeful J.D. Vance called then president a moral disaster. Well, let's see what he said about moral disaster. Um, he said... J.D. Vance, Trump makes people I care about afraid, immigrants, Muslims, etc. Because of this, I find him reprehensible. God wants better from us. J.D. Vance wrote that about Donald Trump. Finally, in just before the election in 2016, J.D. Vance wrote this. This is cool. Evan McMullen is who I'm voting for this November. Evan McMullen was Mitt Romney's boy to try to split Utah into three categories to try to prevent Trump from winning Utah. He was hoping that that McMullen would pick up uh, Utah and prevent Trump from getting those electorates. Uh, And that would help Hillary, you see. So let's take a listen to Steve Cortez Marjorie Taylor Greene and Steve Bannon all support J.D. Vance. Disgusting. Look in primary in the state of Ohio. You can't in one of the biggest, most controversial, most intense races, the Republican primary in the state of Ohio. You came in and backed J.D. Vance, the fire breathing, uh, I would say, public intellectual populist. Uh, wh- 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 why is that? Because they got Timken, they got Mandel. 
it's a pretty deep bench there. Why did you pick J.D. Vance? This is a huge, huge, huge deal today. Why did you do it? I'm looking for strong people that are going to fight for America. And I, I've talked with all of them, and J.D. Vance is the one that I believe in. He has such a strong business background, and that's something that's extremely important to me. He's a family man, um, you know, married and has children. He's very devoted to his family. And I think he's the perfect choice for Ohio to send to the Senate. He's someone that has the backbone and the courage to stand up to the establishment, Mitch McConnell and the rest of the machine in Washington. And I'm going to go all in and make sure that I can get him across the line. You know, Congresswoman, uh, it's Cortez again. I, I think your endorsement's going to mean a heck of a lot in that primary in Ohio. I, too, am backing J.D. Vance. And I want to get your reaction to a tweet put today by a guy named Howard Foreman. He's got a pretty big following on the left. He's a professor up at Yale, does a lot of media. Uh, and this is what he had to say in a tweet today. He said, whether it's J.D. Vance, John Gibbs, or Patrick Witt, who's running for Congress in uh, Georgia. By the way, I'm supporting all three of those people that he's picking on. But this is what he said. He said, they are all from the most elite backgrounds, tending to be the common man. And he's talking specifically about their academic credentials because all three of those guys went to the top schools in America, to Yale and Harvard and Stanford, and really kind of trying to pick a fight, saying as if because you have that educational pedigree, you cannot be for the common man. Tell us why you're convinced that J.D. Vance, while he has uh, Ivy League credentials, is not Ivy League at all in his thinking. Well, if anyone's read his book, Hillbilly Elegy, you know a lot about J.D. Vance. He doesn't come from some Ivy League-type background. He grew up very much like, like I did and like most Americans. I also think that's a really funny tweet. You know, I'm kicked off of Twitter, so I don't get to keep up with some of that stuff anymore. But I think it's hilarious that the left would pick on some of our candidates for having these types of um, educations, Ivy League educations. When they're constantly attacking, uh, you know, most Republicans and Republican voters, accusing us of being uneducated. So which way is it right. going to be? Do they want us yeah. to be, are they going to make fun of us for being uneducated or make fun of us for being? Congressman, hang on one second. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. <clears throat> so there it is. I just, I'm so disappointed. I am very disappointed that the war room. And the War Room is allianced with the Gateway Pundit. And Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene is aligned with Loomer, Laura Loomer. And uh, it's just sort of like a weird thing, you know. J.D. Vance, I mean, I've been to several functions where he's been. I've seen him speak. He's articulate. He's smart. He's a smart guy. But, you know, he was wrong about Trump. He was wrong about siding with Mitt Romney. He was wrong about Evan McMullen. He was wrong about his support and interest in you know, only hobnobbing in D.C. with the Washington elite. And I see it. I've seen him. I know the guy. Not a lot, but a little bit. And I know what he does. I know the circles he hangs in. And he is not for Ohio. He is not what Ohio thinks. That whole hillbilly elegy BS is just that. And what I'm trying to say to you is that too often we're being fooled into buying into this. Oh, I like him because of the hillbilly elegy thing. You know, because he's a hillbilly, that makes him authentic. That's not the case. Neither is it the case that, you know, just because he's a Yale or Harvard grad, uh, doesn't make him an elitist. 
I, I, I also agree with that. That doesn't make you an elitist. You know, I'm a big fan of Fitzgerald. And I think his stories are a lot about those types of things. And elitism versus the common man. But I don't really care what his pedigree is, whether he's an elitist or not. I think Trump could, you know, Trump is elite. But Trump gets it. You know what? The one thing I loved so much about Trump was that he didn't wear a plaid suit, you know, shirt with a, a cowboy hat and some Wrangler jeans when he went to Wyoming to campaign or whatever. You know, like uh, Bill Clinton would. Caller, you're on the air. Good morning, Scott. Hey, Terry. Hey, uh, vaccine passports have one thing. They turn your God-given rights into a privilege given by the state. Don't ever stand for them. And all these rhino GOP, it was was written in the naked communists in the 1950s, take over one or both parties. You see the fruition of the naked communists being played out. We do not have two parties anymore. We have one party with two heads. No, I'm not saying one. Well, you know, I say it's like it's like having a full beer or having light beer. It doesn't matter. They're both going to get you drunk in the end. There ain't no good comes out of it, and that's the problem we have. No, I say until we start calling them out that they are not GOP. They can put the moniker on themselves all they want to. It's a lie. It is a lie straight from the pits of hell. And we have to start calling these people out. They are just flat-out communists. They want nothing more than to destroy you, your family, your rights, and your nation. Yeah, well, you know, and the thing is, how many people how many people on the right are going to call out Marjorie Taylor Greene because they loved her so much? But, you know, that is a foolish endorsement, in my opinion. I'm just so disappointed in her. But people don't I know J.D. Vance. Like they, didn't, they didn't do their research. See, J.D. Vance deleted all of his Trump bashing tweets. See, he hit it. He's a hider. He's keeping a secret profile. And I, I just can't stand that in politics. I'm tired of it. It's, it's the reason why we are where we are. You know, the backroom, uh, you know, it's a backroom kind of deal. Well, they both play on the same party. Yeah, so, but Steve uh, yeah, Bannon. Know, they're working on a rigged system. Steve Bannon's war room, Steve Cortez. I, I'm so disappointed. I can't believe that these people are supporting J.D. Vance. Just, it's, it's, it just angers me. I agree, sir. I agree. Hey, have yourself a good day. I know you're short on time. All right. Take care. I know. Yeah. It's enough to rile you up, isn't it? I mean, it's just when are we going? When is enough en- enough? When is it, when are we going to learn our lesson? And uh, I was my jaw kind of went open when I saw that, and um, I just got to make sure um, we have a couple of things going on here. All right, so what else? Okay, there's a couple other things I wanted to cover before we do uh, run out of time. Got a couple minutes. Um, 
The IRS data, there's IRS data that proves that Trump's tax cuts benefited middle working class Americans uh, the most. Take that and put that in your hillbilly elegy pipe and smoke it, J.D. Vance. You know, because Trump was for the middle class. And I've always said you can't have communism or socialism if you have a strong, vibrant, working middle class. A middle class representative of about 65% of the population. If they're working, they're on the margins. They're the ones that care about the politicians and what they do and say. The rich elite don't. The super poor that are uh, sucking on the teeth of government don't, right? But it's that middle class. They don't want to be told what color picket fence, what size yard they could have. They don't want to. They don't want to be told any of that unless they agree to it with their HOA. So you know the idea is that um, Trump building the middle class realized that that was a foundation that makes a country strong. That's what's, that's the fight that's going on in France with the protests in the street, in Italy, in um, Canada right now. I, I guess in Australia, I'm hoping. Uh, definitely it's going on here in America. We got our eyes on all of these things, watching the way things are materializing in, in the Dutch countries with the truckers up there now, with UK mandates being lifted, with what's happening in South Africa. People are rising up and wanting to get their lives back. You have to learn to live with this thing as if it's the flu now. You can't run scared your whole life like the globalists always do. They're spineless creatures. And they're all about personal wealth at the expense of others. And that's the sad truth. Well, that brings us really to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com. And our podcasts are featured over there. Also, these websites are made tailor-made for the phone, uh, for mobile devices, um, things like that. And be sure to check out, uh, if you're going to buy a mattress, Got a lot of, um, I got a few people call, writing me yesterday about what I said about that. The one thing I said that was contradictory, it, it's foam coils. Uh, and there's over a thousand of these foam coils. And if you want to get one of those mattresses at a discount, you just go to mypillow.com and put in the code word red state, and that'll get you the discount, the biggest discount that's available to you. And with that, uh, we'll see each other next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. It's in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.